Welcome to Guilty Treasures, a podcast about everything you ever loved and were afraid to talk about. I'm your host, Ann Kern. And I'm also your host, Emily Cardamus. So so here's a fun anecdote. You ever stand in a venue, lobby, dressed as a wizard, and ask someone on your podcast, well, boy, howdy. (laughs) <laughs> Did that happen? I mean, te- technically, I was I was not unscathed in this situation because I was also in costume. It was just my costume was uh, less exciting. <laughs> just looked like kind of an unfortunate fashion choice for me, as opposed to uh, as opposed to an actual wizard outfit. <laughs> it's powerful. I love it. I'm saying you should wear a wizard outfit whenever you want because it weird <laughs> things happen when you do. But this week's guest is James D'Amato, who you might be familiar with from the One Shot podcast and network and campaign and a bunch of other very cool things and the book he wrote and the other book that's coming out (laughs) that he wrote and he decided to talk about something that is not dissimilar as it turns out in a lot of ways from talking about collaborative storytelling but he decided to talk about superman yeah I, i think this is this is maybe the first topic that i can't imagine that anyone who's listening will not know who superman is you may not know much about superman but you definitely know who Superman is. So that's I think is going to be an interesting perspective on a topic for for everyone that it's it's definitely something you're going to be at least a little bit familiar with. Yeah, and what's interesting is that we spent a good hour talking about Superman and didn't talk about a lot of integral things to Superman's story, <laughs> like kryptonite. But we we really sort of immediately dove into talking about Superman almost as like a mythical figure and that role that like mythology plays in the way we tell stories, which is very neat, but very unexpected. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we could have gone two ways with this and, and it was probably better to, to just go straight into the deeper, uh, the deeper stuff that people are maybe not having the conversations about because the rest of it we we all have some basis of of information for so you might as well just start out with the kind of engineer approach uh of you know taking apart the toaster and seeing which parts are important um and how they fit together and and what else you can build with them so i thought that was an interesting an interesting way to talk about something that was a a well-known topic I'm now just really invested in the idea of a toaster that just toasts. You know those toasters that toast pictures onto (laughs) bread? So there should be a toaster that can toast, like, the Superman logo onto bread? This is wildly I don't know why you think this does not exist, because I'm almost completely certain that it does. Because I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen a Batman one. I think there is, in fact, a Superman one. Okay, good. A little bit of faith in humanity has been restored. (laughs) Before we roll into this, I, I want to put myself on blast as a weird way of, of complimenting James that uh, my first question is a little weird because I, I have this problem occasionally when, when we have, as we frequently have, had podcasters whose, whose shows I listen to and have been listening to for quite a while as guests that I don't always remember that I'm supposed to talk. James has a, a wonderful voice. He's very good at talking. He's very good to listen to. And I may have momentarily lost my train of thought because I was thinking, wow, he's, he's really nice. To listen to this is quite calming <laughs> which is not my job I, i'm supposed to be uh an active listener and not not be zenned out by by listening to him but <laughs> that is his superpower <laughs> yes <laughs> talking good <laughs> but we won't delay any longer in letting you listeners listen to this episode so here we go all 
Um, so thank you again so much for, for coming on and talking with us today. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm very excited to uh, talk about this. Yeah. So if you could just introduce yourself, maybe say a little bit about what you do and then introduce the topic you brought. Of course. Uh, hello, heroes. My name is James D'Amato. Uh, normally, I am the host of the One Shot podcast and the campaign podcast over on the One Shot Network. Uh, and I also happen to run that network. We produce shows about tabletop games. Um, and both my shows, One Shot and Campaign, are actual plays. For One Shot, uh, we explore different role-playing systems and we record actors and comedians playing various games to give people an idea of what those games are like before they maybe go out and pick up the books. Uh, for those who might not be familiar with role-playing games, uh, those are like Dungeons and Dragons, but there are thousands of games out there spanning lots of different genres and subject matter. And Campaign is an ongoing story about a crew of sky pirates in a original setting uh, that we created for the show that is based on the music of the Decemberists. So that's who I am, That which I think is a pretty weird person to be, really. <laughs> uh, so what I wanted to bring uh, for y'all to the show is actually my second favorite superhero, and that is Superman. Superman is like, you know, probably the first superhero that a lot of kids learn about, or at least uh, that was that was the way it was when I was growing up. One of the most recognizable figures around the world, a really fascinating character that I think like has sort of fallen out of vogue with a lot of people. And I feel like every time I bring up Superman and how much I like the character, uh, there's a lot of pushback for people that think the character is poorly constructed or uh, is, is kind of passe or, you know, there are people who will try and say that, that Superman is straight up boring. So it's not something that I tend to talk about a lot because my favorite superhero is Spider-Man. And that's someone that a lot of people more willingly kind of embrace and understand. So I thought for Guilty Treasures, it would be kind of a perfect thing to talk about. Yeah, when you said that this was your topic, I got like so excited because I, I also have that same thing of like these characters that are just like, it's that conversation you have with someone where it's like, no, please, like, just like read into it a little bit. It's way more than you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of people at first blush have that reaction to, to Superman in particular. I mean, obviously, like you said, that this is for you, the first superhero you kind of had awareness of. But what was like, your first initial defining moment where you were like, oh, okay, this is like, I really like this character. So one of the things that I think is wonderful uh, about sort of pop culture and the way it enters some people's lives is I don't remember learning about Superman because I learned about Superman when I was was so young that I didn't even understand that I was learning about this thing. I sort of grew up and Superman, the animated series, was on TV. And like, I think Lois and Clark uh, was in reruns at that point. The Superman movie was like, of course, because I grew up in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, video rental was kind of becoming ubiquitous. So that was accessible as well. It's just something that's such a part of the American culture or, or like, you know, a certain part of uh, mainstream American pop culture that it kind of always existed uh from my perspective as a human being i, I kind of feel this way about the simpsons too like i never remember first the first time i saw the simpsons it's just it felt like i always knew about it and it was always a presence <laughs> in my life and because you know i found out about superman when i was a kid i couldn't help but love him 
I mean, it's a, a person that can fly and, and is very, very strong and is nice. Like, that's just really cool and really great. One of the things with, with a lot of superheroes and a lot of times where I encounter people who maybe don't jive with superheroes, like the pushback is that these concepts are kind of simple. And, you know, if you think about them, they, they don't hold up to certain kinds of scrutiny. And I will own up that that is absolutely true. And it's because these characters are designed for like six-year-olds. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of okay and fine that they don't hold up to those certain types of scrutiny uh, because you're not meant to engage with this character with the you know full understanding of a human adult. Like it, it's kind of fine that a person can fly and we don't need to worry about exactly why they can fly beyond Earth's yellow sun providing you know their superpowers. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is also true of mythical characters for, you know, a long time, going back to ancient times in human history, at least, you know, the idea of characters that are impossible in reality that but are still something that people connect with very deeply so i'm curious in terms of superman like i grew up in a similar time there were a few other superheroes so like you could have gotten into batman you could have maybe gotten into spider-man because the animated series was on he was he was much less popular then but what do you think it was about superman in particular that drew you to him more strongly than the other characters like was was this one of the things that if somebody asked you about what superhero you wanted would you have automatically picked flight well see that that's the thing i wasn't most attached to Superman. Mm -hmm. I, I was actually really into Spider-Man. Uh, you know, growing up in the mid-90s, that was in the comics age, that was like when Image Comics was around and like there was this huge boom of artists being like the the big wigs in, in comics and like Todd McFarlane was doing Spider-Man's art. Uh, so Spider-Man at the time was a wildly popular character and I, I think definitely captured my imagination probably a little bit more than Superman, but Superman is also, uh, you know, because Superman is the first superhero and kind of the stone from which all other superheroes are, are cut, he's also this like kind of elemental er superhero where if you like one superhero and you are a child, you will probably also like Superman. So anything about Superman sort of captured my imagination in the same way that all these other heroic figures would capture my imagination. Like Batman is is very cool. He, he wears a dark cape, so he's got that dark <laughs> reflection of Superman thing going on. Spider-Man is cool uh, because he swings around. But, you know, th these are all like strong people uh, who are very relatable and get to dress in the neatest outfits in the world. And even even like people like Wonder Woman, you know, ha have this cool magic lasso. Like these are people that have the coolest stuff. They get to do the coolest stuff. And they're also nice people that you can kind of look up to. So that's that's kind of what called out to me is just that uh, superheroes initially like like sort of all myths, right? That they're concepts that that people are made to connect to people really relate to each other through stories and storytelling. So this is just like one of the first stories that I I really got to experience and it connected with me in a, a really resonant way. And I'm not somebody who looks back on many things and feels embarrassed or, or, or bad about them or, or really questions them. Like if something is good to me, uh, unless it really proves itself to be super problematic, I always kind of love it. So Superman is just something that I always kept with me and carried with me because I loved it when I was younger. And turns out when I scrutinize it as an adult, there's still a lot of really cool stuff there. I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this question because it makes me think of like that 
when you love something as a kid, it's sometimes, like, the way you relate to it as an adult is different. It's not like the shine comes off the apple at all, but it's just, like, you interface with it in a different way. So I guess I'm curious about if in any way you feel like your perception has changed or grown of this character or your connection to to him as, as you've gotten older. Oh, for sure. Well, like, with a lot of foundational media for people, I, I think there is a phase in life, you know, when you are sort of exiting childhood and you're entering your preteen and teen years, you kind of look at the influences that developed you and you interrogate them. And, you know, they can either pass that interrogation or not. Like, teens have a very sort of extreme reaction to certain things. Like, it's either something is great or something is terrible and I want to reject this uh, so that I can build my own identity. And I think there are a lot of people who take something like Superman that might have been meaningful to them as they were kids and reject that like finding a flaw in it they're like ah it has this flaw and that's enough to cast it aside because i have other better things that feel like they're more me or what have you so i feel like a lot of people go through that sort of thing and yeah when you really interrogate something that sort of is foundational to you you either push it very far away from yourself or or draw it very close to you um and superman is is definitely one of those things like i can i'll start out and say there's a lot of really good legitimate criticism of superheroes and superman for sure like ones that i can't even really respond to uh, on a level because like i just have to accept that that some of them are absolutely right i've got a friend uh dc who's also a game designer and, and personality within the tabletop game space and they had a wonderful thread about how they don't like superman because superman uh sort of is a figure that defends the status quo and the status quo of a lot of different systems, especially for marginalized people, is not good and someone who is trying to do good probably should not uphold those systems and you know I, I can't really push back against that apart from the fact that you know this is a thing made for eight-year-olds and like yeah of course society doesn't hold up like when you scrutinize it because there are a lot of bad flaws in our society and world and i totally accept that a marginalized person could look at a figure like superman and go well that's a threat to me because actually our society is a threat to me and it doesn't acknowledge that so like yeah there are definitely flaws with this character and frankly a lot of different superhero characters and characters that are designed for kids because uh, what we're trying to do with some of those stories is teach kids that you know our society is good and stable and like welcome them into our society not give them the tools to interrogate the flaws in our society right away so i will own up anybody who has like that kind of problem with superman like yeah you're totally right and i totally see that but there are valuable things about the character that i like for other reasons and like people who criticize the character like well you can't write an interesting story for superman because he's got too many powers or what have you that's a criticism that i really don't accept because i I think that is an unimaginative, like, engaging with a fictional character. If a character exists, there is a way to make that character interesting and write cool stories about that character. And Superman certainly would not be around for, you know, 80 plus years if you couldn't write interesting stories about him. There are so many wonderful stories. Even if you don't think that you could think of something good, I, I can guarantee you there are lots of people that love this character and can write really amazing stories about it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that leads me to a question that I'm very curious about, which is as you've gone on, like not just being a child, like first exposure to Superman, but are there any versions of Superman in specific media or specific comics arcs or how have you been engaging with this character? And are there any specific examples that for you are the most defining of what you like about him? So what I love about superheroes and really mythology is that we all kind of construct our own personal vision for a character. And that's built out of different stories. But, you know, people will take bits and pieces of different characters and go, I love this and I don't love this. Like The Amazing Spider-Man, like the primary comic for Spider-Man, it is a really, really fun series in a lot of places, but there are also just a lot of really bad story arcs. Times where I feel the character will act out of character or, you know, things will happen that I just go, ugh, this is so negative and bad. It doesn't jive with the feeling that I want to have when I'm reading a Spider-Man book. So Spider-Man, the character to me is kind of always when that character I feel is written well and and not the parts of it that I feel are not well done. So even though the amazing Spider-Man is about Spider-Man and is that character's stories, I'm taking bits and pieces of that. So Superman for me is this mythological figure that I have cobbled together out of various elemental stories and sometimes I will see bits of that character shine through. I really like All-Star Superman. I'm also a fan of Superman for for all seasons and a big fan of Superman the Animated Series. I, I think all of those do a good job of like sort of talking about this character and the things that this character can be and the things that this character does. But the thing that I love the most about this character is kind of interrogating exactly what this character means and implies. And I think the structure of the character, how it's created and how it's meant to be engaged with and understood from different angles, like I think that makes it so much more fascinating. So we can pull Superman and talking about Superman back to the people that created him, uh, Joel Siegel and Simon, or, oh boy, no. It's, it, it, I know it is Schuster and Siegel, but I am mm-hmm. Joel Siegel and oh my God. See, now I'm going to panic blank too. I want to I want to <laughs> call him Simon Schuster, but that's a publishing That's the company. publishing. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Bill, but I think that's not right. Um, Yeah, everybody always, it's one of those things where people always just talk. You know, Stan Lee was always Stan it's, Lee. It's Jerry Siegel and Joseph Schuster. There okay. we go. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So one of them, and I'm, I'm not going to remember... Uh, which one? They're, they're both like children of immigrants uh, and, and, and Jewish people. And one of them had a father die when they were fairly young. Their father worked at a laundromat and someone came in to rob the laundromat and pulled a gun. And upon seeing the weapon, this person had a heart attack and died. And it's just, you know, one of those terrible things that can happen in life. And there was an op-ed written in like the newspaper after the obituary that that called on the public for calm and not to enforce vigilante justice in the fallout of this crime. And that column was written by a person named A. Luther. We can kind of see some of the weird, cool stuff that sort of gave birth to this character, Superman. It kind of started uh, the way a lot of superhero stories start, where a parental figure died, and the character itself is something that could be a response to that happening. Superman, as a character, is someone that can stop that sort of thing from happening. You know, he shows up, 
he's not like Batman or Spider-Man. He doesn't even need to hurt the person who is like causing trouble or, you know, putting violence and negativity in society. He shows up, he puts his hands on his hips and all of the bad things in the world just sort of bounce and slide off of him. One of my favorite aspects of the character is one of the things that a lot of people point to as most boring. I really love that Superman is invulnerable, like <laughs> totally, because one of the cool things about Superman is he is representative of all of the good in the world and in people and in front of Superman when you confront good with evil evil is impotent and pointless the bullets just bounce away all of the terrible things that human beings can inflict on each other have no effect on him and more than that, Superman is also capable of solving problems that human beings can't. If a plane is crashing out of the sky, Superman can fly up and stop that plane from crashing. Where there is tragedy, where people need help, Superman can be there and be the solution to those problems. That is a very childlike wish, a very uncomplicated, I wish bad things wouldn't happen. And I wish that there is someone who could stop those bad things from happening. That very simple concept is really, really resonant with me. I, I think it's beautiful in its simplicity. But Superman's actually more complicated than that because Superman, like, even though he has all these fantastic powers, like the thing that is often highlighted time and time again in different people writing the character is that Superman uses these powers to do the right thing. He's challenged in all sorts of different ways with, with different temptations of, you know, perhaps stepping over his bounds and maybe, you know, using his powers to dominate people and enforce uh, what is right rather than showing up when a problem happens and stopping that problem from happening. And Superman does the right thing because human beings taught him how to be. Uh, Superman, you know, is an alien who came from outer space and was raised by two ordinary people. And those two ordinary people taught Superman what good is. So the fantastic thing about Superman is not even just that he can save humans from, you know, the various problems that human beings get confronted with, but Superman learned to do that from human beings. So even if Superman is this savior figure, he's a savior figure that humanity deserves to have because that capacity for good exists within us. Like we know what is good and we can actually teach other people what is good. Uh, and that's why my favorite nickname for Superman is the man of tomorrow, because it implies that one day everyone could be like Superman. Everyone could do the right thing. Everyone could treat each other decently. So he's kind of a symbol of what people could be like. So it, it's not that he is like a, a father figure with his hands on his hips looking down on us and sort of rejecting us and, and judging us for not being good enough. It's that he's already exemplifying the good that already exists within us. And one day, hopefully, we'd get there too. Yeah. I mean, I no, I agree with everything that you've said. I mean, I think there's a lot of it's very easy to dismiss superheroes, I think, even in the midst of important, you know, investigation of, of why we care about them. But just to say that they're a power fantasy, but we don't always talk about whose fantasy they are. And I think if, if it's coming from somebody like, you know, someone who was who was traumatized as a child, who was an immigrant, who felt like an outsider, who felt vulnerable, that the, the fantasy of not being helpless is not the same as someone who has privilege having a, a power fantasy. 
because that's different. Then it's not something that you want to exert over other people. It's something that you want to give to other people that you can't give to yourself. Like it's coming from a different, a different motivation. And I think that expresses itself in a different way, like to people who are perceiving it too. I've, I've never agreed with the, the assessment of, of Superman as being a boring character. I don't know if I have a, a question in there <laughs> thinking about it. I'm just like, yes, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and like certainly the character has like kind of a complicated history too, mm-hmm. especially because of the comics code and yes. sort of what mm-hmm. comics became in the 1950s. Superman did have this long period where he sort of necessarily had to become this figure that supports and bolsters authority, which you know, isn't great. Uh, I, I, I will admit that. And like, you know, there was iconography of like authority in the character from the very beginning. Originally, the S design that we see on his chest was shaped more like a badge because the idea is this is sort of like a police badge in a way. And he was sort of representing the idea of the rule of law. Now, eventually that became more stylized and grew farther away from a police iconography. And I could not be more happy about that evolution. I I think that is like a really good visual evolution of the character where the character actually separated itself from authority and propping up authority and went, no, this character is more about the good that exists behind the idea of laws. You know, laws can be flawed and hurt people actively and this character does not truck with that like one of the first stories about superman is him going to attack a corrupt governor who is sending an innocent person to prison it's like a really anti-authoritarian tale which you know i really appreciate and when i think of the character like that's what i think of there sort of is this you know especially these days because america uh sucks like overtly uh, in a way that is really unignorable, even for very privileged members of our society like me. It kind of sucks that Superman is looked at as like a patriotic figure because of that uh, comics code period in the 50s. But I think at its core, he shouldn't be. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know. Like that, that's one of the things that I like about the characters is the symbols that sort of developed and, and the, the iconography and mythology that develops around the character is sort of better than the way it was conceived because it's been refined so much over time. And you can leave out the parts that don't work as well. Like all sorts of mythological figures have bad stories that get told about them and only some of them get retained and really drawn into the core of what that character is. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in talking about this idea of having a character that has so much history and so much so much conflicting history at times because of depending on who wrote it or the era. What do you do to resolve some of that for yourself because like for example my first comics introduction to superman was like oh gosh i i I know it was like grant morrison it was something that was a little more off the wall (laughs) a little more (laughs) like a little more of a a wilder take on the character so like that being my first interaction sort of created an image and then having to sort of rebuild it with you know other media is is a strange thing to do but especially now that like because even though it is a character that was made for kids like most superheroes are we're having this tendency to make things grittier and darker which i understand (laughs) but i feel like a lot of that doesn't jive sometimes with those initial concepts so like how do you react to those things so the the thing that i kind of like 
about mythology is and, and storytelling generally is that it's all kind of investigative and uh, experimental. There is a simplicity to telling a single story and having that be the story of a character. There's less room for misinterpretation of that character. I appreciate the sort of clean approach to storytelling that is just telling one story. The reason that I like telling multiple stories and retelling those stories is we get to push and discover new elemental things. We get to take the pile of ideas that make up a fictional character and put them in new contexts and stretch them in interesting ways. Like It's one of the reasons that I really love fan fiction too, right? Fan fiction is this cool space where you get to experiment with, you know, media that that you like and has influenced you and put it in new contexts and take familiar characters and, you know, make them interact in ways that maybe they wouldn't in, in the core series. But it still says something about those characters. It's part of your exploration and investigation of those characters. So there are a lot of truly awful takes on Superman uh, <laughs> and some of them that make like quite a bit of money and are quite popular and you know there there is a part of me that when a bad Superman movie comes out I go oh no maybe people will get the wrong idea about Superman but that's also impossible right because mm -hmm. people can't have the wrong idea about things. They develop their own version of those characters and, and, and different characters are useful to different people in different ways. Like there are a lot of people out there that don't need Superman in, in the way that, you know, I need and want Superman. So those other stories exist for those people and the stories that I love exist for me. But even in a bad Superman story, there, there are still like elemental cool things in there. Like I hate every Superman and every superhero story where they make a Christ analogy for the character. Because first of all, Superman is like more Moses than Jesus anyway. Like read the Bible. But also I just, I think it is kind of a ham fisted way of, of trying to understand a heroic figure and, and a character who helps people. And like there are special things about the Messiah story in the Bible. It's not really worth confusing it with the guy who wears underpants on the outside and flies around <laughs> uh so like i while i don't like those there's still good stuff in there the idea of superman like making a sacrifice i, I don't really think sacrifice is even at the core of the character but it is a thing that kind of happens in those books like superman does make sacrifices to do the right thing and there are interesting stories that can be told in that way so while i don't like the idea of treating the idea of sacrifice as something that is core to making up what the superman character is about i do like stories about superman you know having to make sacrifices or or tough decisions even though like elementally i think superman ideal form is showing up and fixing the problems that go wrong that isn't always the most interesting story so getting all of these thousands of different stories about superman even the bad ones kind of help you understand the parts that you do like and they make that stand out even more
Like, I don't like any story where Superman is even tempted to kill people because I, again, think of the character as representative of all the best things that humanity could be. And a murderer uh, is nowhere close to that. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't like uh, that to be dealt with in the stories at all. But, you know, there there are still fine. Mo- like, Man of Steel is a bad movie, but the scene where Superman flies around, like if you show that to a tiny baby, like in that YouTube video, that tiny baby loves it. Because it's rad and cool. So like there's even good stuff in the bad stuff. I'm also having this moment. I'm like listening to you talk about all this. And I've I've had this realization that especially superheroes are extremely postmodern. And I have no idea what to do with that information. Because postmodernism is all about how there's multiple truths that exist for multiple perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, wait, that's that's a storytelling. And B, that's like extremely superheroes (laughs) because they are characters that multiple people tell stories about and i'm just like i don't like there's no question at the end of this i'm just having a bit of a creative like epiphany over here so. <laughs> well and isn't it funny how that sort of storytelling has become the most like prevalent and and successful type of storytelling that we deal with as a society like franchise fiction which superman is and which you know kind of all of mythology is is this thing that we've like systematized and like sort of made into a narrative factory and we've built entire worlds around it. it it's very very fascinating i won't say that it is a bad thing because i really do like the form of taking multiple perspectives and ideas and seeing what people do with it i think that inherently makes us more accepting as a society but i will straight up own up the fact that well there are people who own the keys to that kingdom and they quite frequently declare uh, certain perspectives are not allowed uh sure and that sucks real real bad mm-hmm. um so yeah it's one of those things where it's super postmodern. it's hard to know what to do with that information because unfortunately multiple perspectives and truths exist about it yes <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is an this is a very old kind of storytelling. I mean, you know, but nobody owned Gilgamesh. You know, there wasn't somebody coming in and saying, "Well, that's not canon. You can't do that." You know, or profit or profiting from you know people sitting around a fire telling telling a story about someone. Or there there are people who were, and the next night over around a different fire, they told their better version of the story <laughs> that they <Right>. preferred. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering, um, hearing you talk about this, do you think that growing up with kind of a, a tolerance or an interest in stories that you can experience more like a, a pastiche or a patchwork that you build a character by taking pieces from these different interpretations to build the version that you believe in and that you connect with? Do you think that being involved in collaborative storytelling in your work now is informed by that in any way or that that might have led you there? Oh, absolutely. Like, I, I think it led me to the sort of approach to storytelling that works very well with that. I have a new book coming out called The Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide, and one of the big concepts that I talk about in it is the idea of implicit versus explicit reality as it applies to role-playing games. Explicit reality in fiction is like the text of what you're engaging with. It is the hard narrative truth that exists because something has entered into the story, like saying, there is a door. You know, that is something that is undeniable. You can't say, well, there's no door in this story because that is the only information that we have about this story right now. However, the implicit reality of fiction is the ideas that form in your mind based on the explicit reality. So when I say there is a door, you picture something in your head. 
And that kind of determines what is going to happen next for you if you're collaborating in the story. If you picture a big spooky door with a bunch of skulls carved on it, uh, you're probably going to tell the story in a very different way from somebody who pictures a brilliant blue door with a Christmas wreath on it. Those are very different story directions, and they're both in this theoretical story where the only fact we have is there is a door. They're both true. So that idea, that collaborative space, I think is very much something that we're dealing with when we talk about franchise fiction or mythological characters. There is a person with a cape. There's a person who is very strong. There is a person who is very kind, a person who tries to do the right thing. There are a lot of different things you can do with a character like that, with concepts like that. There are a lot of different ways to put those ideas in in different stories. And I, I think because franchise fiction is a big collaboration, I, I think it operates a lot like role-playing games, which is why so much genre fiction and mythological fiction is the subject of like very popular role-playing games. Yeah, I actually hadn't thought about that before, about the, the types of stories and the types of universes that we've chosen for our tabletop games. It's not not a lot about, you know, office buildings, something like that. And we're definitely we're definitely picking and choosing from our options. I mean, I can only think of one tabletop role-playing system that would be pretty good at doing Oscar winning movies. Like <laughs> when you think of that genre like and and that sort of genre of film that people have decided, "Ooh, this is important. Mm -hmm. You know, this needs to be celebrated and honored." Like we don't give Oscars to comedies or whatever because we we don't respect comedy or or see it as valuable and important for certain values of valuable and important. But in our tabletop role playing, that major genre, that major style of telling stories stories is almost non-existent. So I, I think that says something about the format, something about the way it comes together, even though, you know, an Oscar winning movie is an artistic collaboration. It is multiple perspectives coming together to make one thing. Now I want to see Meryl Streep play a role playing game. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, well, Dame Judy Gents uh, runs D&D &D for, uh, for people. Her you didn't know? The I rules. didn't know that. Vin Diesel taught her how to play D&D &D. <laughs> and she liked it so much that she runs it for young people in her family. Oh my god. This is the best day ever. <laughs> now that I know that, like everything is so much better now. Oh my god. That's incredible. It's, it's very good. It's very cool. Uh, <laughs> I, I like role-playing games a lot and they're, you know, all sort of mixed up in this primordial storytelling soup that uh, Superman happens to be floating in. Having such a close connection to like Superman and being a storyteller yourself, have you ever had the like want or impulse to create a part of that? Like even write like a spec script for a comic or something like that? Or are you just like totally cool with being like, this is a thing that I enjoy and informs who I am in my work, but I don't want to like make stuff for it. Oh no, I've got tons of like fan fiction bouncing around <laughs> in my brain. <laughs> Uh, you know, a lot of what I like about Superman is there's aren't many parts of me that like, oh, I would like to tell a Superman story. A lot of my desires and impulses for the character are to see, well, how does this character interact with this other character that I love? Like, there's mm -hmm. so much fan fiction rolling around in my head about Superman and Batman and their kind of complicated relationship as friends where Superman is really open and approachable and warm and Batman is kind of like emotionally reclusive and cold and <laughs> but they're still like best friends like that is a fact about those characters so thinking about how that friendship 
operates is so fascinating to me. And then, you know, there are characters like Wonder Woman, where Superman and Wonder Woman have so much in common, but their backgrounds are actually very, very different, and they must see the world in a different way. And I'm also really interested in like, well, what does Diana's family think about Superman? There have to be people on Themyscira who are pressuring Diana to be like, hey, this is the best man. Like, we look through the magic portal, we see how garbage, like, society is out there, but this is the best one, and you're the princess of the Amazons. Shouldn't you two settle down already? Like, that must be so infuriating and irritating to, like, have that family pressure and put, like, a weird part in their relationship or whatever. Like, I love that. So, yeah, there are all sorts of Superman stories that I would love to see and that I, like, kind of write in my head. If if there was a role-playing game that I thought had the right structure, I would absolutely want to play a Superman game because one of the things that I really love is the Superman Lois Lane romance and how the secret identity plays into that. That is like the most beautiful trash romance fiction that you can possibly imagine. Uh, I love it. Sorry, describing that like that. Well, it's very, it's very much that way. Certainly in the, um, like the eighties film averse, it is very soft focus, very romance novel. I think, I think that probably I responded to that maybe as a child more than the idea of him being a superhero. I think I might've, I might've found that part more interesting and relatable at the time. And that is a huge, interesting and relatable part of the character. Like my, I think favorite depiction of their romance as characters does come from the nineties animated series where uh, Lois Lane is this really confident, really self-assured reporter who, you know, is hard-nosed and wants to do the right thing. And Clark Kent is like kind of a flirty dope. And like they (laughs) flirt with each other constantly. And it's because like Clark is really into Lois and Lois flirts with everybody around her because she feels so confident with that part of her personality. But she's also really into Superman, who is this kind of mask who can't express those feelings because he really wants her to love Clark. It fucking rules. Like, there's so much (laughs) wacky nonsense you can do. Even the really bad Superman 4 movie, like, truly terrible movie. There is a scene where Superman is on a date with, or or, Clark is on a date with Lois, like a double date, but Superman also has to show up. So he's literally scheduled two dates at the same time, but with the same person. And he constantly has to, like, run out of the room and fly back in through the window. And it's just, it's so stupid and so good like how can how can you not love that actually yeah i mean i think just because of the the concept of the show and because you have some experience with the sort of deeper world of superman are are there any like side characters or weird side plots because superman's one of those um one of those characters where there's some weird stuff about like he has a dog at one point and there's some Mm -hmm. pretty weird villains like do you have do you have any any of those um oh like deep cut stuff that i really love Oh boy. Okay. Um so like there is a lot of Superman weirdness. I guess I I have some things that I don't love uh that I think are easier to talk about than the weird things that I do love. Like anything that makes Superman feel like 
kind of uh hokey and out of place like it is something that i actually do love like the weirdness of the character there there's just a lot of stuff that i jive with like i love that there's a super dog i love that there's a super cat and there's like this weird convoluted super family of super people i don't love krypton that much like anytime comics or or movies or whatever really want to focus on and and think about krypton like for me krypton is like a really convenient plot device like it explains how superman got here and why superman has powers but i really don't need to know more about it than that and when we try to make it more important to the character than that we sort of lose some of what's good about him like in in the man of steel movie the reason that clark kent decides to become superman is that his dead alien space dad told him that's what he should do while his earth dad is like no you should pretty much hide yourself from the world and let a bus full of kids die which sucks like that makes the things about superman like more dark like if humanity is teaching superman to be bad then maybe we don't deserve superman actually so like yeah uh it's more that i am really warm on silly stuff because i think silly stuff is something that you can really sit down with and unpack and investigate and you can find ways to make it relevant and interesting i'm less warm on i don't know uh, stuff that pulls away from like kind of the deep valuable things that i find about the character so i I care about superman on earth and, and what he's doing on earth uh a lot and i care about what he means to other people so yeah you you previously mentioned all of these like scenarios that you kind of write in your head as sort of fan fiction. Is there one in particular that you would like to talk about? Because I'm really interested in this. Unless you're hoping it'll be a movie someday and then you shouldn't uh, tell well, us. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I did the right career moves to put myself in a position where I'd be doing something like that. I mean, also like a lot of the stuff stuff that like i want to see with superheroes is you know queer queering of those Mm. characters Mm -hmm. and like uh, investigating uh what meanings like that sort of thing has and i don't think i would ever see any of that out there honestly there there's so there there are so many like little snippets little conversations and things that uh, i want to see there isn't like one central story that i think about and go ooh, that's the one that i want to see like the character that i'm like that with is like spider-man like there are definitely spider-man stories that i would love to write or love to produce in some way and superman stories what i would want to do on Honestly, like if I were to be able to pitch DC on something, there's a comics sort of trend that has gone out of phase where there used to be all of this flashy text on the front of comic books to sort of entice you inside and get you to read it. And in the Silver Age, Superman stories had a lot of things like Superman doing a really buck wild, ridiculous thing, like Lois Lane is a mermaid or Superman has declared himself the emperor of Earth, like things <laughs> that are wildly out of character and you know can't be part of this character's mythology and that the cover text will say this is not an imaginary story and for me imaginary stories is like this kind of beautiful word uh that means you can do anything with the character because you're telling an imaginary story you're, you're telling these stories and having these investigations outside of continuity so i would love to pitch a book for, to dc that is just imaginary stories where i can put uh superman and his very cast of characters into different situations uh that 
would never happen in a mainstream comic or, or don't depend on Superman, like getting in a fight with a supervillain, like things that are not their brand, but still allow us to investigate the character in different ways. Like I really want to see Superman go on a vacation with, with Bruce Wayne. I, I, I would really, really love to see that. And it's like, it's Superman's idea. He like shows up at the bat cave and it's like, we got to go on a road trip because you work yourself into the ground constantly and it's a story kind of about both of them moonlighting as superheroes and hiding it from each other because that relationship <laughs> is still really important to them and they like don't want to violate it but they also can't really walk away from their jobs so they go on this road trip uh, but they're also like fighting crime at the same time and trying to relate to each other in quiet spaces which is difficult because I think Bruce isn't much of a talker. This, this is all I want. Yeah now. I'm in. I'm totally in. That sounds great. <laughs> oh my gosh every character needs a road trip story Oh my gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, put more of these mythological characters in very relatable situations. It's going to produce good stuff. I guarantee it. <laughs> the thing the thing that American culture really needs to take from anime is that there should always be a beach episode, no matter how out of place oh, it seems. Always. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ugh, beach episodes rule so much <laughs> such a good and, and bottle episodes too like mm -hmm. any anything that that for a short period of time makes that storytelling smaller is so good so to kind of wrap things up this has been an amazing conversation and i really wish we could just talk about superman and batman going on a road trip like for another two hours because i would be here for that <laughs> oh uh, so would i for sure <laughs> but typically what we ask people is if you had to elevator pitch someone on your topic so either like reading superman comics or like the character in in general or like a certain story of his um if you had to kind of pitch this to someone to say like here's why you should give it a shot uh how would you do that boy uh man that, that's so difficult <laughs> um i didn't say it was an easy end question <laughs> yeah i i mean i guess my my elevator pitch like you know i don't need to introduce people to superman superman is sort of a thing that people know about i i guess i would say hey actually see if you like this thing like watch superman the animated series and actually see if it's something that jives with you because a lot of people because the character is so ubiquitous make a decision about whether the character is for them or not before they really engage with it that's what i'd be like hey see if this is for you because it might be which is a sort of a weak pitch, but you know, <laughs> I don't want to hard sell anybody on Superman because I, I feel like that will lead to more people actually disliking the character. <laughs> and I don't that's, want that. That's a good pitch to approach most things though. And I, I really like that because of it. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I have two questions, but one of them is, is quite short. It may not be easy, but it's short. I think uh, just as a follow-up to the, the sort of elevator pitch question, sort of the more personal version of that. Do you think that there is one thing that you could say maybe in just a couple of words that you have taken from Superman that's the most important to you in your life? Ooh, boy. So Superman is like a pretty good moral thermometer, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Spider-Man is wonderful because the character has that uh, with great power comes great responsibility summation of what the thesis of the character is about. Superman, sort of how he would react to different situations is like a pretty good moral compass. So I guess thinking about challenging yourself 
to do the right thing, even even if it is hard and even if it is unclear and even if it like calls on you to to go beyond what what you normally do. Like, I think that is an important thing about the character, an important thing the character has has given me. You know, it's the a desire to look within myself and find, well, you know, what is the best version of myself doing? How are they reacting to this situation? And what more can you do? What would Superman do? Exactly. So I have I have one last one just because I think I've I personally have written myself into a corner of always asking a hypothetical question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do I do have one. Um so you sometimes run tabletop games for other people. So say you're you're at I don't know, you're running a game at Gen Con or something, and this guy comes in and he says, Hi, I'm Clark, and you know. Like the glasses are not fooling you. You know it's Superman. You know exactly who he is. And he sits down. What what game do you think you would run for him? And what kind of character would he play? I would run Starcrossed for Superman. Mm. Uh, <laughs> for those that don't know, Starcrossed is a two-player romance role-playing game where instead of using dice or cards or whatnot to resolve actions, there is a Jenga tower in the middle of the table. And you play two characters who really want to be together, uh, but have a good reason keeping them apart. And you you play out stories where they're very close together. And every time you do something that increases intimacy between these characters, you pull a brick from the tower and, you know, move it up in the way you do when you play Jenga. And when the tower falls, one of your characters acts on those feelings. And you sort of play out the scenario of like what what would happen if like they acted on those feelings at that point. And if the tower falls too soon, things don't work out. And, you know, it's just not meant to be. And if it falls at exactly the right time, those two characters run away together and fall in love. And it's a very kind of human thing. And it's a role-playing game that has like such an obvious relatable hook for, for so many people. And I already know that Superman is heroic and, and would do heroic things. Uh, so what I would want to get from, from that person is I, I would want more of a personal investigation of what they think about love and desire. Like we, we see really kind of a star-crossed scenario playing out with uh, Superman and Lois all the time anyway. But in a situation where he's sort of removed from that and he's sort of looking at a story and trying to make what he wants to happen happen, I want to see what he does with that. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I like that. That's I cool. love that so much. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, James, thank you so much yes, for spending you. this time with us and sharing this with us. This was remarkable. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk for way too long about <laughs> Superman. I love it. Where can people find you online? If there's anything you want to plug, uh, this is your space. So please feel free. For sure. Uh, if you would like to find my podcasts, you can head over to oneshotpodcast.com. There you'll be able to find my shows, One Shot and Campaign, along with uh, the dozen other programs that we have on the one shot network they're all about tabletop games uh, and many of them are actual plays which if you don't know actual play it is sort of like a radio play but done with role-playing games uh, so you can hear a lot of original storytelling on there and i just i like running this show a lot and we've told a lot of cool stories on it if you like my ideas about storytelling and you sort of want to investigate them more from a more technical perspective i have written a book called the ultimate rpg RPG gameplay guide and it's going to be coming out on October 8th 
You can pre-order it now from all online retailers, most uh, major brick and mortar retailers, and even independent uh, retailers. If you go to bit.ly slash RPG gameplay, that'll pull up the website for that book and, and you can pre-order it from one of the places there. Um, I also have another book out called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, which is sort of like a workbook that is full of different games and challenges uh, that will help you develop a backstory for a role-playing character or really any character. I've had a lot of authors contact me and say that it's super useful for like getting past writer's block or developing characters in fiction. So it's kind of like a fun, dumb book that is just full of different neat things uh, that you can do to develop characters. And if you want to find me and talk to me directly, uh, the best place to do that is Twitter, uh, where I am at OneShotRPG. Great. Well, thank you again so much. This was an amazing time. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you both so much. This was a delight, really. Thanks for listening to Guilty Treasures. You can follow us on Twitter at TreasuresCast if you have questions or comments. Hit us up there or at our email, guiltytreasurescast at gmail.com. Or just yell your comment, even though neither of us have supersonic hearing and won't be able to respond. Also, if you are going to Small Press Expo uh, this weekend, that is September 14th and 15th, uh, I will be tabling there. My table number is W29B. So if you are coming to the show, come by and say hi. And if you mentioned that you like the podcast, I'll have some buttons on me um, as well. So please feel free to stop by and, and say hi. And if you're just on the internet and you have a moment, please rate and review us on the podcast website of your choice. And if you like the show, tell a friend or leave us another review under your alter ego like Dan Cho 2, who is clearly just Dan Cho 1 in glasses. Until next time, let the dragon in your heart be happy. (laughs) 